0: Where are we? Yeah, we yeah. are. hi there uh i'm phil eisler and uh we're here to talk about uh what are we here to talk about uh, music you,
1: you i think oh
0: god help us <laughs> um music let's go with music, music.
1: Right. okay well phil thank you so much for uh, for your time and inviting here right. your, your studio on, on Warner's lot that's pretty awesome yeah. on, on the lot so <laughs> um so we've done a couple interviews together mm-hmm. um but uh you know, maybe for people who who don't know, maybe talk about starting off with your, your kind of your, your path to music. Cause you, it's interesting cause you had, you were, you're, you're born in, uh, you're, you're Czech born, mm-hmm. but raised in Britain, right? She's
0: done your research.
1: <laughs> cause the, I mean, the name <laughs> doesn't match the accent. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
0: well, yeah. I mean, I moved to London when I was pretty young. Yeah. I moved to London when I was nine, eight or nine, something well, that's, like
1: that's that. A, that's a bit older though. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, too so
0: young. you know
1: but um so do you what was the your parents decided to relocate was that the
0: well you know i'm that old that it was that uh you know it wasn't the Czech Republic it was Czechoslovakia Czechoslovakia, which was a communist country this is you know we moved in early 80s yeah and uh so you know we we were actually trying to get out um wow and uh, uh, we we managed to, we managed to get out of the country move to london um, you know where my dad had a had a job mm-hmm. and we just sort of you know built it up from not a lot
1: so when did when did music kind of come in the picture for you was it at a very young age in the, that that young yeah age, you know
0: i always remember music being around in in my in my house where i was right. growing up you know in, in our apartment in prague when i was when i was a kid mm-hmm. Um we had my grandmother who um is a classical musician mm. um she's still with us. She's a hundred, she's turning a hundred wow. next month.
1: Good jeans in your and
0: family. uh yeah. <laughs> um she is a violinist and she's actually been a music therapist for the last thirty odd years. Wow. So she and uh, she had Maybe longer than thirty years, because I think she'd already started doing it when I was a when I was a little kid. So she would, you know, she would come and visit us, and the and you know she had a, a room in our apartment with the uh, with our old Bechstein grand mm-hmm. sitting there, and she was sort of the the I, I guess more the classical side of my my upbringing. She, um, you know, I mean, her music teacher in in primary school was Gustav Holst. Um, oh, and, and then uh, she went on to play professionally wow. and played with all sorts of all sorts of you know the the great conductors and, that's amazing and uh, you know recorded some of the yeah. earliest sessions at Abbey Road right. Um and so so I guess you know growing up with her was was part of my music edu- education and then sort of the other side of it was uh, my my dad who was sort of Fairly, he's not a musician, but fairly musical. Right. And I remember him picking me up from school one day with a, with an acoustic guitar from a department store and a sort of a carrier bag thing. And you know, I think he just got it so that he could, he wanted to play. Right. You know Bob Dylan songs or whatever. <laughs> um, and you know he introduced me to, Beatles, Dylan, you know Stones, Crosby, Stills, right. that kind of stuff. Um, as well as as well as some classical music, both my parents were were listening to sort of a mixture of that kind of stuff, and I started going to music school and singing in a singing in a choir and taking piano lessons when I we was very very young. <laughs> Typical choir boy, you know well, I, I, me. I, I, talk,
1: um, I know Harry and Williams did that. David Buckley did that. There was a few choir boy uh, composers out there. Yeah,
0: they might have kept it up a little bit longer than <laughs> me, but but um, but then we moved to to England and. I forgot about wanting to be a choir boy pretty quickly. I, right. I, I uh, well, I don't know that I ever wanted to be a choir boy, but, <laughs> but um, you know, I started playing in bands when I was really, really, really young. Um, from I think I was getting bands together before I could really get a band together. So I was, you know, maybe, maybe sort of nine or ten years old when I was, yeah. You know, when this this thing hit me that I wanted to be a musician, and I and I I sort of decided, really around that age that that's what I was gonna do and that sounds incredibly precocious for a nine or ten right. year old kid but actually it's kind of a blessing and it, you know and i've i've talked to lots of people who do this for a living or who were i don't know actors or painters or right. whatever but they, they all sort of had that one thing in common that they sort of knew when they were very very young that okay this is this is what i'm doing and uh that's a i think that's a huge blessing because if, if you sort of don't have that thing that gets you out of bed every morning, no matter yeah. whether you're making money, not making money, whatever. Um, I well, I just don't know any other way of living myself. Right. So it, it you know. So I always
1: like when I met those you know kids in college when I was in, in college, and they'd be like, "What's your major?" Oh, I don't know. I haven't picked one yet. It's like, how do you not know what you you know? At that point, I knew. I, I was same nine, ten years old when I fell in love with film. I'm not a musician, but right. I, you know, I fell in love with film and filmmaking, and I knew I wanted to go to film school like pretty early on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I think partly it's being honest with yourself about right. what you really want as opposed to what what people expect of you. Right. So I, I'm sure you know. For a little while, I remember telling my parents that I wanted to be, you know, an airline pilot or a, <laughs> or something. You know, t- to totally out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, or you know, you know, do what my dad does or right. whatever. Yeah. Um, but I, I knew really, really, really early on, and that's you know, it's it's what's gotten me out of bed every morning yeah. from that age until now you know.
1: you know you you found music at an early age you started playing in bands and um, and when you got into film composing uh, mm-hmm. what was that switch that triggered like okay I like this now or th- or this is what I uh, this is speaking to me did it call to you or did you search it out did you happen upon it or
0: I think there's a mix of things like you know most things in life but I, I funnily enough when I was at school mm-hmm i did uh my school had an a level in film studies right right which i don't know what job they were expecting you to get with that qualification absolutely nothing apparently but it was about the only thing i passed with flying colors and uh well that in history i did all right and um you know so I, i always had that love of film Right. And, and there, back then I sort of wanted to be in bands, you know, right. but I always sort of used to think of, and I've always thought about music in terms of um, something visual for some reason. I don't know why, but. I mean,
1: it, it is, it's a visual, for me it sparks visuals. like that's, Well, it
0: always, ma- always made me think of something, listening right. to, you know, a favorite album or whatever. Yeah. And uh, it just sort of logically made sense. I, I always thought it was something I'd want to do at some point you know i think i just thought right well i'll be john lennon first and then i'll <laughs> so anyway skipping the john lennon bit which obviously that didn't work out very well in the went straight to scoring film so right. fine <laughs>
1: well, you're doing good so <laughs> i think you're doing uh, quite well and when you started out though mm-hmm. i want to talk about it because you you had a kind of a, a stage name Eisler. mhm and recently what well, was
0: an, it was a nickname that i had from when i was back when i was in bands oh really
1: yeah because
0: it was just basically a, people couldn't spell it, hence the yeah. silly spelling, and B, it's like it's like that very English schoolboy <laughs> thing of nobody, like, you know, acknowledges your first name at all. Aysla! So that's what it, that's, you know.
1: And so you, you but that's what you're credited as on... On the presented. first few film
0: things I did, yeah. yeah so sure.
1: why did you decide to... I just got sick
0: of it. carrying it around. You know, it's <laughs> like I do have a first name,
1: right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I figured I could have it back at some point. Yeah, and and uh, all of the things. It was actually a great relief not to uh, be trying to be a, a singer or whatever, because it was always a crap singer anyway. It was, just, you know, it's always got shoved into the front.
1: Yeah.
0: So it proves that having <laughs> the biggest mouth doesn't necessarily mean you're the best singer, and maybe a good front man but not necessarily the best thing right. and um, you know at a certain point when I started scoring films and and really fell in love with that and and thought actually I'm really happy doing this this is great yeah um, it's great because then you don't do all of the, the shit that your you know Hollywood right. agents are pushing you into like lying about your age and, <laughs> and having a silly nickname so, so at a, a certain point it was nice to just you know, relax and go, I think I've earned my first name back now, you know. <laughs>
1: well, that's very cool. Um, so, you, you you do, you're, you're well known for your TV work, and mm-hmm. as well as your film work, and you're definitely kind of being more prominent in, in, in films these days. Um, and we've talked in the differences about, you know, the differences between TV and film, but just uh, overall, with the two different approaches, is there one that you kind of what are the likes and dislikes of the two, kind of for, from your point of view, in terms of your approach and your style? Um,
0: do you know what? I, I, honestly, I think a lot of it is just to do with the people you're working with.
1: Yeah. Yet, I mean, so,
0: yeah. you know, either can be a good or a bad experience. Right. Uh, and uh, I think ultimately you sort of try and build up relationships with the, the people that you see eye to eye with mm-hmm. create, creatively. And then, then you could do anything together. You could do, you know, do a cartoon together, you can do an action movie together, you can do a TV show, a movie, whatever. Um, I mean, in terms of the sort of tangible differences are, there's no time in TV. Right.
1: That's what I hear.
0: And there's something good good about that. There's something good about, you know, your first idea has to be your best idea. Otherwise you're screwed basically and you have to get it done on time. And, you know, and just learning to be able to turn around changes fast and and write music quickly i remember it being a terrible shock the first time i did a film i did some indie movie where you know i had four months to do it and, uh-huh. and it was i was taking my time i remember thinking oh my god this is so hard you know not realizing <laughs> that i was one day gonna have to write that much music in a week yeah and,
1: and you, with you know you're doing with a live orchestra too well
0: in some ways that makes it easier actually yeah, really okay because the the you know orchestrating and and you know, writing a piece of music. First of all, you kind of—if it's just orchestra, right? Uh-huh. Well, you know what the palette is right away. It's—it's right. it's not so much of a sort of trying to find what this mm. weird, unique sound yeah. is. And although I'd say most of my scores end up being orchestra and something else. I've done a couple right. of things that were pure orchestra, and actually they're really fun to do for that reason because yeah. you know, I—I sort of like restrictions in a way. Yeah you're writing for this size orchestra, this, you know, it's configured this particular way, yeah. or you're writing for these weird synths or right. guitar, or whatever. I, I like that idea of finding the palette. And because uh, if you have infinite possibilities, you can end up with a little bit of a mishmash sometimes. Yeah. I kind of like the idea of, you know, to not having that sometimes.
1: Track, yeah. So you just had a recent film, uh, How To Be Single, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you've, you've demonstrated, you know, your kind of a um, um, but I think <laughs> I, talents in comedy but
0: considerable talents in comedy but no comedy, and that's nothing to do with music
1: but I think yeah exactly that's, that's the I think the difficult part because comedy is unless you're if it does have music I feel like it the only way is appropriate is you know Looney Tunes where you're Mickey Mousing otherwise the comedy kind of how, I mean I feel like comedy, I find that's
0: pretty rare These I mean unless you literally are scoring but
1: exactly that's why that you know like, an
0: animated film right, and even but, those I mean you know uh, uh, sort of so much what? more grown up these days in a lot of ways. And I, I mean, to be honest, a lot of the comedies that I've done mm-hmm. have, I've tended to be called upon as to score the the serious bit of it. Right. And not necessarily, like you said, sort of Mickey Mouse, the, the because comedy, if, because if you, that if really... You were,
1: yeah, if you were to score the comedic That's a pretty
0: broad it. approach to yeah. <laughs> to getting a laugh. And, but then it's interesting because I, I do have this conversation with comedy directors a lot when mm-hmm. they say... <laughs> Um well how do we approach the comedy you know there are there are people that want no music
1: right.
0: uh f- for comedic stuff and then people who want music but they really don't know what it should be
1: right
0: um because when you say comedy music you get those immediate associations yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> of whatever and and uh yeah there's not not a whole lot of call for that I mean
1: so with something how to, like how do be you know how to be single? It's relying on the performances and the dialogue mostly. I mean, those are great. Well, and so, you
0: know, in songs, a lot of times, I mean, That's they're they like, say, of... How to be single. All most of the comedy stuff was um, either not scored mm-hmm. and worked much better that way. Because you actually find it, you know, the performances if they're good and the and it's right. well paced in the editing, which this movie really was. That you know, the music just make it worse. It's just gonna step on all the Lines and all the gags and
1: right.
0: and make it just make it terrible. Because a lot yeah, of the yeah. lot of the comedy in in that movie was about awkwardness, about the long so this all, pause You know, one line, another line, and then
1: silence.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> see, that was awkward. It's awkward. So yeah. that you know, but that's not funny if I'm sitting there going tick 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 tick, tick in the background. Right, you know, it's right. it's like turned it into a, some kind of a montage thing. And and in that film, most of most of what I had to do was to find a theme for this main character, Alice, and mm. and you know her stuff was actually her moments were sort of quite introspective and melancholy in some ways. You know yeah. what was what might have been funny is setting up. There would be a lot of moments where it went from sort of some introspective thing to, a, um, to to a gag or something, yeah. and and invariably in that movie, that was when the music would stop. Right. You know, so there's a lot of that kind of thing.
1: And I mean, I just think it's probably one of the most. I don't know from. Outside, it feels like a, a, more, a very challenging genre musically to
0: approach. It is man. I always say, you know, I'm, I'm. I think uh, you know. I always say, right. I don't want to do any more comedies. So Getting called to do comedy stuff, right? Because
1: um, he's like, oh, if you do it good, then they're gonna call, they're gonna call you. Because well, I feel like it's a hard thing to do. That's
0: subjective, I suppose. But, it, but, um, but I've been fortunate to to do some good ones. You know, like Shameless right i think is yeah all the i, I think think of thinking about it most of the comedies i've done have been really dark yeah you know shameless natural selection there wasn't a ton of it, it when there was comedy and a lot of those things it was like madcap raucous they wanted just balls out music not you know necessarily anything that was speaking to the action right. or whatever yeah. so so there was that and then then these incredibly dark moments which you know it just happens to speak to to my sense of humor, but somebody like Robbie Pickering, who directed natural selection, uh-huh. you know an unbelievably dark,
1: yeah.
0: sense of humor, and that you know, and they don't mind going there, and I like that that's, cool. that's you know <laughs> when you can find a record, you can... I mean John Wells too, you know, who his ideas about what to do with shameless where he t- I think he took the English show and made it you know even darker in mm. in some places and some of his direction when it might have seemed counterintuitive on the surface was actually pretty genius yeah um you know it's a it's a great show i mean well i I remember there's a scene um that i had to score where this where i think frank and his mother and his mother uh his mother comes out of jail you know of course and and she's horrible sort of you know just this manipulative lifetime lifetime criminal. Yeah. And uh and there's this there's a scene where I think I, th- I can't remember if she's terminally ill or something or or there's but he's starting to have to take care of her and there's, there's this whole scene where he's bathing her. Mm-hmm. And um they had put in this temp that was very kind of it wasn't on the nose, but it definitely made it Funny because it's already so awkward to look at, right?
1: Yeah,
0: and John saw it and went, That's not awkward enough, that's not what I want. I want this, I want you to score this almost like a love scene. <laughs> I want this, this gentle intimacy between them. I want it to be so painfully awful yeah. to look at, and it is. And it's you know, and it's funny for it because just his reactions are you know, that's amazing, it's sort of very, very subtle. But you yeah. know, uh, I mean, it's still
1: a, a little bit off, but chips, you're doing the. A TV, I mean, right. TV adaptation, film adaptation the, of shit Yeah,
0: well, it's actually, I mean, it's early days. Um, not, you know, we're still sort of right. finding what it is, I think. But it's it's really, um, from the music perspective, again, I'm not hitting tons of comedy beats yet. It, it's, yeah. it's much more, uh, it's actually, if anything, right now, it's much more of an action movie.
1: Right, and that's, I mean, I feel like that's a lot of, Action comedies—they're kind of the, the go-to right now, and they're very popular. I mean, Chris Leonards is doing a great job with *Ride Along* and *Ride Along 2 right. and and really, you know, finding that uh, that niche. But um, what and you know, *Chips* is a kind of an adaptation of a TV show, and we are kind of in this age of reboots and remakes, and, and a lot of people yeah. criticize it, but I always spin it as um and i don't know what your take is on how the industry is kind of on that but i i love i see it as like a natural evolution of storytelling like retelling our our, our favorite stories through different voices and different and like you know if you're sitting around the campfire and your your, your uncle's an interesting way of looking yeah, at you're it you telling an old story like that he's been you sir
0: down. should work in <laughs> a studio um <laughs> i think <laughs> I, I think it's um <laughs> no that's a that's a cool way of looking at it actually yeah. i mean i you know i i it all really just you know it's it's so down to who's doing it and and what they're doing with it It, you know there have been good and bad versions of everything there's been cash grab
1: ones too of course but i um, do
0: think there's a glut of sort of which is nothing new in hollywood or the record industry or any form of art that's ever been monetized in any way you know becomes repetitive because art isn't something you can really quantify it's not right it's not like we're going to set up a business and make music you know it doesn't work like that it's it's vegas more than anything else it's sort of you know you sort of roll the dice on somebody's talent and them connecting with an audience and that's as much of a sure shot as you can have so i think when people do remakes and when people do a ton of these different things i think you're the franchise sort of stuff um i don't think it's a bad thing necessarily i just think there's a there's a world in which that and original ideas need to coexist.
1: I just don't get it when people get offended. They're like, oh, you can't touch... The well, rip- I rip- mean, rip- it's rip- funny. Rip- <laughs> the you not know. going anywhere. There's a few guys
0: on my crew that that are... that, that apparently are diehard Chips fans. Really? Which, you know, I had no idea, but uh, one of the guys I work with, you know, when he heard I was doing it, his first words weren't congratulations. His first words were,
1: don't, don't fuck, fuck it up, fuck.
0: Yeah, <laughs> don't ruin my childhood. Right, I'll try.
1: It's, it's people get so attached to it's. I mean, it's it's great because well, and there's a the there's a theme, of, you
0: know, like and theme. there's a That's there's a, so all of these things and a great theme, you know. Yeah. But it's it's at the end of the day when you do something like this and you do a remake, a reboot, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I have to approach the material for the material and exactly. not with any kind of baggage. Right. <laughs> um. And then you see what works. You know, maybe the original ideas work. Maybe yeah. they don't. It's been you know things get reinterpreted so and so they should you know i mean who wants to rehash the same old thing you can always go back to
1: exactly the original yeah well i'm excited to see it to see what you yeah me too (laughs) so you also um were in the headlines a little bit for um i mean for good for good reason you know talking a variety about your uh, work on the newtown Mm document documentary which is um uh got amazing reception and uh you did an amazing re- approach. You, you brought in a group of composers, and yeah. You kind of did this group thing, and everyone donated their time and and I mean, what was that experience like? I mean, it's such an important film, and it's it's using music, the art of film, for such a great cause. You know, these days, you go, oh, you're working in the entertainment industry. You know, what are you doing to help the world? You're not a doctor. <laughs> you're not a. You're not well, a, it you know, felt like, like an
0: opportunity to, right. to do something. You know, hopefully useful. Um, when I when I first spoke to the producer, who is a friend of mine uh, from years back, I had no idea she was making a film. Actually, really,
1: um,
0: I I called her because uh, the the gun debate is something that I'm sort of very passionate about, and yeah. um, didn't feel like I was able to do anything by ranting on Facebook, which really it's the Monday equivalent of yelling out of a window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um and so I called her and she said, Well, funny you should mention that. I'm I'm uh making a film about Sandy Hook. yeah, you know, I sort of froze yeah. for a second. And and it's funny because everybody has the same reaction when I told them that I worked on the film. Mm-hmm. It's such a um un and understandably, so it's it's such a um polarizing issue and it's such a terrifying topic yeah people just don't even want to deal with it and i think that's sort of one of the reasons why i took it because i i knew that the public would have that reaction to a certain extent as well you know to watching it and and a comment that i used to hear a lot when we went to sundance with the film just a a month or two ago whenever it was um was wow you know so so impressive but i'm I'm scared to see the movie yeah. and so i sort of my you know my stock answer ended up being well you should be but see it anyway right um i think it's just a subject that doesn't get dealt with very much it's, it's not a movie about gun control it's a movie about grief it's a movie about the long-term results of the long-term implications of, of gun violence so you can take that from whatever political perspective you want mm-hmm. you know it's not um, it's not an anti-gun advocacy movie and it's it's you know whether or not I believe in that or whether or not any of the other people involved in them in the movie believe in that including right. the the composers um, wasn't relevant right. to the project it, it, it's it's more about sparking a debate and um, on a new level yeah. because this topic has people shouting from both sides of the aisle. You know, right. me included. It's very hard not to, yeah, not to um, get very emotional about that debate, whatever side of the argument you're on. Right. But what was great at Sundance was I would see some of the best Q and A's I've ever seen at Sundance and they were much more like town halls in a way
1: wow.
0: because you would have, you know, we, there was all this security at the screenings because of, of yes. what the film was. And so, um, you know, at certain points we would get questions from cops and, um, you know, people that were local, people that were from out of town. So like a lot of different points of view and the over overriding feeling I got from the whole thing yeah. was um, people wanting to know what what next. And that's very heartening for me to see because if the film can do that, then, then it was worth doing, wasn't it? Of course. Um, I mean, yeah. You know, it, uh, actually getting people to talk and maybe finding solutions, right. you know. Because real life isn't really played out on the fringes. But, you know, yeah. that's that's the Internet. That's where everyone can shake their fists at, you know, no one in particular and yell right. a bit. But it's, you know, real life kind of plays out in the middle a little bit.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, so it was it was good seeing that, you know.
1: And from just the, the perspective of working with all those composers. So the idea was you kind of fostered an idea and it was a just shared was it beamed out at the same time and everyone huh. worked on it, or was, it, it was a, a, a sort
0: of a work in progress and actually it kind of still is because mm-hmm. there was so much music that it's it's proven to have a life beyond the film
1: right?
0: and we're now talking about an album maybe some concerts you know a bunch of different things of um, the reason I first reached out to anybody mm-hmm. I can't remember who I called I, I think I might have called Chris Lennart or Blake Neely first right. um it was really just about calling my mates, and and saying, "Hey, what do you think of this?" And, and at that point, when the you know documentaries are always sort of a long time in the making, when that, when it finally came together and they were ready to to play me something, I was in the middle of two movies and and a bunch of other stuff, and, and things were crazy, and it was like, you know, three or four weeks until they were going to dub the film. Yeah. And. I remember thinking this is great, but how the how the hell do I do it? Yeah. And you know, so I thought, well, well, what about if I got somebody to do it with me? So I rang a couple of people, and then the the idea just started to snowball a little bit. Like, well, what about if I rang a lot of people? And what I realised was actually the 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 um, it was completely unhelpful as to, as, to, <laughs> as to as to. <laughs> saving time because it took more time oh, of course, to, orga- to, 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 to organize it all. all yeah, um, but it turned out to be creatively <laughs> yeah. a cool idea. The first thing I thought about was that the, the film, you know, the score had to be very humble. Of
1: course.
0: Um, given the subject matter and given yeah. the people that are in the film, <laughs> um, it was an extremely delicate thing to handle. And I... I, I didn't think that my point of view alone yeah. should be on sure. it should be in the movie right. i just thought you know it it this is a film about community and th- then i sort of started to hatch this idea that maybe it should be a community it should be made by a community at least on the music side um and you know so many people jumped on board the idea that i just thought okay well this let's try this you know and there, there were a you know there were definitely a couple of doubters who thought okay well this could be a train wreck but i just i you know i i sort of thought okay if th- if this just completely slams into the wall worst case scenario i could not sleep for a month and just do it all myself but right. that's just i just never thought that was going to happen right. you know um i think people were more cons- most concerned about continuity through the whole thing so i i kind of thought my job was as much a curator as a right. as a composer. So I did write a couple of themes and I gave it to people, but everybody did something different. Some people wrote takes on the theme. Some people wrote something completely different. Some people wrote to picture. Some people wrote away from picture. There were a couple of people who just said, I, I can't watch this film, but I'll donate music. I'll, you wow. know. Um, and we got music from so many different amazing Know, composers and but word. what was the, the the really fun point for me I mean fun is the wrong the wrong word to use in the context that it's fun, but yeah. but uh, it, exciting creatively was when I basically we had a server built for everybody to start putting their ideas up and uh, at a certain point I said <laughs> writing this email and uh, every step of the way I would kind of give people a way to back out in case anybody wasn't into this because it's, you know, music is an incredibly personal thing and of then you throw politics into it or, right. you know, even though it wasn't political it's a sort of a hot is. button issue and all of that yeah. So, so I was always very careful to let people right. back out if they wanted to nobody did but you know, I basically said alright, I'm going to put this out there but what if what if we just all dive into each other's folders on the server and steal wow. uh, and that's you know awesome. i mean if you really want to make this a collaborative score let's sort of make this a, a kind of a collage that everybody has yeah. a part in so the, that idea kind of snowballed a, a little bit which was really amazing to see and if you think about it a so 17 composers that are all normally competing for the same gigs too right
1: that's true
0: um, and if you because everybody donated their time and the royalties and everything else and we're all working for free. Well, you leveled the playing field and I mean, yeah. so it's, it was kind of, it was actually a sort of a fairly liberating experience like that because people, and people did some great stuff. Not all of it could make it into the movie of because there simply wasn't yeah. enough space for it. But you know, you had to put what's right in the film. But that's why we're thinking about an album now because you know, A, there was so much music left over from the film that's really great and yeah. you should see the light of day. That'd be great. Um, that's a great idea. You know, and people are still writing. It's just a subject that sort of continues to right. inspire all of us in one way or another. You know.
1: the, the film Newtown is about that specific tragedy, but it does spark a, a gun debate thing. And I don't want to get into too much of it. But I mean, there. Are, you haven't like, got enough memory cards
0: <laughs> to get me started I mean, on. know exactly. <laughs> started on that and subject. I'm, and I'm
1: not on your side. I'm not. I, I'm, I'm on your side. I'm not here to, to argue against you. But I, I just want to get your thoughts because the topic does come up in in film a lot. Mm -hmm. of of violence in film and the effect of that on society and I know I spoke with John Powell and he says I'm a pacifist and he opted to, that's why he did only animated films he says I didn't want to contribute my voice to something that he didn't truly believe in better society so I'm just wondering what your views are on the effect of the entertainment industry and guns such a part of our entertainment culture not just our, you know just wondering what your thoughts are on there
0: I mean I don't know, I think it's again it's an incredibly personal experience right, look yeah. I, I'm a big fan of uh, of action of movies, you know yeah. action movies and and I like playing Call of Duty and, yeah, and all the too. rest of it I would never have a firearm in my house in a fucking million years yeah. and um, you know and I'm not you know I'm as left as they come in right. politics and, and I'm not I'm not interested in fighting and blah 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 right, and yeah. you know uh, I wouldn't exactly call myself a sort of flat out hippie you know I don't know, maybe I am <laughs> who knows <laughs> but it, but I you know I'm not I am definitely uh not you know a sort of gun-toting oh yeah I don't uh, that, uh I whatever it's, it's, but I think, the, the, of, I think yeah. the point I'm trying to make very ineloquently is that um that I think there is a role there I think there's definitely a glorification of of guns, of violence, of um, you know, it, it, to varying degrees, it, of maybe cartoonish violence right. that is so extreme that it's ridiculous. Yeah. To, you know, things that are very realistic on on screen. Right. And, I I really, I, I'm really not sure, what the sum effect, True. on society yeah. is. Yeah. Because there are definitely cases of, you know, I mean, listen, Salinger supposedly inspired a whole generation of, of, uh, killers and would be killers, um, by giving a voice to alienated teenagers. Right. Right. But what does that say about the the people that actually, you know, like Hinckley or, you know, somebody like that, who actually went out and did, did those things They were mentally ill to to start with. They didn't do it because of a book. Right. Um, and to argue that you know glorifying violence or or whatever in movies or in books or in 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 t v mm. shows um actually causes this stuff, I think is a completely ridiculous argument absolutely um you know i think uh there are and i don't know how you you know you Police, what's appropriate for who? There's there's no great way of doing that apart from you know what's appropriate for your children, basically. Um, Yes, I think there are movies that are mindlessly dumb and (laughs) and glorify dumb behaviour, but there are you know smart people people around and there are dumb people around. Exactly, Um,
1: it's
0: down to the the person. uh, so you know, put it this way, I don't think censoring anything is 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 the answer. Is the answer because when you grab for sort of short term answers to things like that. As we know from history, they have long term implications. Right. Um so I don't think uh I don't think getting rid of those movies is a is a yeah, whether it's a good or a bad idea, I don't think it's a useful yeah, idea. Absolutely. Um if like John, you decide you don't want to be a part of that, more power to you, you know. Right. I think I think that's absolutely fine. Yeah, absolutely. Um but again that comes down to individual choice, doesn't it? Exactly.
1: We talked about comedy. We talked about tragedy. We talked about a lot of things. But kind of looking over, um, uh, kind of in, in your personal life, um, you know, your your father, your uh, husband. Um, when you became this, when you kind of built your family, when you kind of uh, did that, change your perspective on on, on the way you write music. Did that you know. Oh before, God! Yeah. Before it happened and afterwards. I mean, did that really kind a of shift on your? I guess.
0: I don't well it's uh, i mean the way you approach i don't know if you can say i started approaching music differently i you know yeah. i don't think i did that but i i think um you know anybody who sort of knows love somehow and then yeah. has kids and you know that's a whole other level um i think it affects you emotionally and emotions affect your music mm. so you know music is Emotion in, yeah. in the most direct way, I think. Right. Um, so. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it definitely changed things. I can't. There are things you know, which is why, I mean, <laughs> Newtown was brutal because oh it, it it's you know, and I am certainly not do, doing any kind of is me number here because right. you know. Um. Uh, it's you know. Obviously, there are the people that. Lived with these kind of tragedies, and then the people that you know on another level were involved in making the movie were very close to those families for a long time, and you know those things become personal, and it's a you know, and and that's tough,
1: yeah.
0: Um, but even watching that kind of stuff, which is you know why I completely understand when there were some composers who said I can't watch that. My first reaction was I didn't want to watch the movie, let alone do the movie, I just decided I sort of had to ultimately right. and that came from a conversation with my wife actually um you know that I, that that was something i wanted my kids to grow up knowing of course yeah um funnily enough you know the uh the editor on the movie uh i found out later had the exact same conversation with his his dad really
1: wow because
0: when he was asked to do it he said i i can't you know he, he's got two very young kids mm. can't handle it, and his dad said the same thing. You gotta, gotta do it for your kids, you know. It's true. Yeah. Um, so uh, it makes it very hard to, to do that, but on a much lower level. Yeah, I can't watch anything. If I mean anything with kids being, hurt even, <laughs> even spoken down to or whatever. <laughs> I'm the the, the I'm the sort of the the. The opposite of the, you yeah. know, the, the public schoolboy, <laughs> p- hardcore Englishman who's, you know, good God, we don't talk to our children until they're 13. <laughs> like, give them the nanny, you know. I'm the opposite of that. I can't, I, you know, I can't say anything but sort kids being belittled or bullied right. or anything. I just can't watch that shit anymore. And, yeah. and I've got a far weaker stomach for violence, you know, talking about TV violence and movie violence. Yeah. There's much less that See. I can...
1: The, the, the dad brain took over. The dad brain took over. <laughs> well, the
0: funny thing is, years before I had kids, years, years, years ago, maybe you know, over a decade ago, I, had, I remember scoring a movie where a dog got killed, oh, and literally I, go, "I think I'm going to have to turn this movie down. I can't, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can't take it. This shoots a Labrador. It's all over for me. I can't I think handle it."
1: There's a website it. called "Does the Dog Die?" and it's like a, a list of films listed for people who don't want to watch movies. Well, isn't there a movie? Like, with animals getting hurt.
0: No, it wasn't a movie. Wasn't it on, like, Entourage or something where a dog gets killed and everybody, are like, the screening's going great I, until the dog they, gets killed and then everyone's like, oh, fuck this. Out of the yeah. <laughs> out of the screening room.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree with him.
1: So just looking at the, the um, industry uh, uh, in general, kind of the state, not just the music industry, but maybe just the film industry, mm-hmm. um, what's something that's going on right now that is really good that you see and you go, this is awesome, we need to keep this up and push it forward in the
0: momentum. In the industry or as, as in, in the terms end- of the, in the, the in- art? Oh,
1: e- either. The art, I guess, or even the business. Side I mean, I think
0: that the, the art is what keeps it constant. You mm-hmm. know, I think there's I mean, it's, it's so many talented people in this, in this town and, right. and I think it's funny how LA has this sort of reputation for somehow being a vacuous place. Yeah. <laughs> which I find sort of you know a fairly vacuous comment because you know okay it's a relatively young town and doesn't doesn't have the history of Prague or vienna or paris or whatever but right but you know so many talented people gather here to to you know work on music or movies or whatever um i've met so many talented people here and you know I just uh, I read so many great scripts and so there's I, I think there's a lot of good stuff being made I think um, in terms of the business what's really heartening to me is that I'm seeing the sort of middle ground mid-budget movie coming back right. so f- the sort of like 10 to 50 million dollar movie seems to be enjoying a bit of a resurgence it has,
1: it became a very giant tentpole studio thing for a while
0: they died out man they there was you know there was a point where i first got into the film industry where it seems whenever i get into any anything i come at just the wrong time people like ah you missed the boat mate you should have been here 10 years ago fuck off you know and and when i started scoring films i was doing you know like 1 million dollar indies and uh you know short films and whatever i could get my hands on
1: um
0: and those sort of movies, like especially at studio level, just didn't exist. Yeah. So indies like that couldn't get financed for ten million dollars or so. That just wasn't happening. Uh, and studios weren't making those films anymore. Right. They, they, all of the sort of you know the Warner Independent, those kind of places shut down. And they started to come back because because I I do think that you know we saw a sort of period where studios were gambling everything on on these massive temple yeah. films so and you know three of those fail in a row and the studio's out of business and a
1: lot of people lose their jobs yep, it.
0: yep. so you know basically i think that middle ground of you know that, that sort of budget range is such a fertile right. ground for not just for new talent but for, for being able to take some risks
1: absolutely
0: because what the hell is this without being able to take some risks you know and
1: I see um, it a lot in the. Uh, it's not my particular favorite genre, but the horror genre has. It's been amazing because they do these low budget for one, two million, and they see the returns, and the studios go, "Okay, we can." Well,
0: yes, but it's funny. Like anything else, we were talking about not being able to quantify any kind of art, right. Very easily, yeah. Until it becomes a production line, and then it's really no longer art. Then it's. Then yeah. it's. We're going to do the fifteenth sequel of this. Of, yeah, um, and-, <laughs> and I think the same thing happened with the sort of the. Um, what was the movie Paranormal Activity, yeah, right? The, the, five, six, so. Yeah, so those kind of things, you know, we, yes, genius idea, totally. Right. Um, but then, of course, you know, we're gonna get Paranormal Activity five, six, seven, eight, nine, da 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 da, or whatever, right. you know. And I'm being unfair, to I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what sequel they're on, <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, but you know, like anything where there's money to be made, you know, obviously, and probably rightly, you know, they they try and make money there. That's you know, why not. Uh, but I just think I actually think in in a slightly higher price range is where a lot of cool stuff is happening because it's it 's very difficult to make a movie for a million dollars surprisingly right. difficult it sounds like a lot of money, but you know I know a lot of people who have, and you 're always struggling at the end when you get to post you know how do we pay for the mix? how do we pay for music? how do we pay for you know for anything right. it's very difficult to you know making a movie no matter how you do it is involves a big team absolutely and yeah. you know that's why those budgets exist right um but you know i think sort of in that world of 10 to 50 million dollar movies there's some really interesting stuff being made both at the studios and, and away from the studio and i think you know kudos to the studios for, for making those kinds of films and taking some risks and every now and again even we you know i don't think deadpool cost that much
1: no that make, was the thing it? that was uh, a it and it's original. It's a, right. you know,
0: it's it's. a, I saw it last night, actually. It's, you know. It's yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, it's genuinely yeah. a good right. movie that, you know, <laughs> took more risks than, than you know. The, I'm the, sure if that movie PG-13, had cost $200 million, yeah. it would have been very different.
1: Oh, of course, yeah. And, but it's, and then again, you were talking about, and now we got the Batman vs. Superman, they said the R-rated cut's coming. And then they are saying, oh, the next Wolverine movie, we're going to make it R, because, oh, R movies, it will make money. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Then it goes. laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think that's why I'm. That's why you know. I mean, I have no problem with the studio machinery or the or any kind of business machinery yeah. that perpetuates, you know, the sale of art in right. some way, whether it's yeah. movies or music or whatever. Because it's as as artists, that's how we survive. Exactly. And sometimes that machinery is, you know, like you saw with the old record industry, yeah. is fucked up, or with the current record industry, if that's if there is one. <laughs> It is he more fucked up but the but that is ultimately how we make a living i mean Absolutely, you know yeah. which is why sort of this whole debate about intellectual property is so important because Absolutely. um no matter how much you think musicians live in castles and you know have billions of limos the realize the 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 real um reality truth of yeah. the whole thing reality thank you reality. that's the <laughs> the real truth of the not lies of the thing of the thing <laughs> Is that um, you know most people uh, struggle to make a living out of it now. Um, so you know, I certainly consider myself very lucky to be able to do that.
1: Kind of covered a little, maybe some of the negative aspects a little bit, but what what do you think is something that is not so good that's happening that should change, whether it's in the industry or art or whatever? Is there something that you see that be like I wish it was more in this direction, or we should change it towards this direction? Or...
0: Huh. I don't know man. I just live in the positive all the time, you know <laughs> I don't have a clue um I don't really know i, I honestly i you know not to sound all everything's great yes. um there are definitely things that that are uh not so great about the business, but there always have been and I don't like to bitch.
1: Right. Okay. It's just, yeah,
0: you know, sorry. look, I'm I'm very happy to be making a living That's and an to be doing good. something I love great. doing. Yeah. And and honestly the music business has always been kind of a dark and seedy place. And so is the movie business. Yeah. So let's not kid ourselves too much.
1: Right.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. Um I'm not advocating any of this stuff. <laughs> too much. But also You know, it wouldn't be interesting without that. It wouldn't be interesting without all of those. So it's like now we look back at the studio system as this sort of golden era, of like all these dark secrets. And, you know, didn't people used to live in black and white then? And everybody looked fabulous. You know, I'm sure it was pretty fucking dark back in the day. You know, um, and I I think it's a very tricky subject when you try and, um, Completely homogenize the business and sort of make it fair, and you know, because yeah. it inherently isn't
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, on every yeah. level. And there are some things that I I think it's great that they're being tackled, especially you know, when you're talking about inequality, sexism, racism, things that yeah. that are just. <clears throat> it's we're in the fucking 21st century and it's just ridiculous that some of those standards still exist but in terms of sort of you know what gets made and what doesn't get made it's always a struggle and it's always going to be a struggle because someone's always going to hold the keys you know and what's interesting is that i think since the advent of the internet and certainly social media you know people have had far more opportunity to put out whatever they want and take whatever risks they want without having to be beholden to some of these sort of, you know, gatekeepers. And I, and I think that's great too. And then, you know, then people are discovered like that, all yeah. of a sudden, I think it's great that people have a platform Absolutely. and i more of a voice.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, I guess to, to wrap things up, uh, completely unrelated to music or anything, what does, what does Phil Eisler do to, for fun? What are your hobbies outside of work? Um, to recharge, I mean I mean you have your family and everything, but what are you You're,
0: you're assuming I do any of that for a start. <laughs> I talked this to Jeff Rousseau, so. like I don't I, sure. I haven't been on a vacation in like
1: two and a half years. So.
0: Me neither. <laughs> so. I don't do shit, man. I live this is it. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> I, did, I mean I hate to say it, but that's kinda of true. It's it's uh it's funny because there are very good friends of mine who you know, always have a habit of saying things like, careful what you wish for. And I go, <laughs> yeah. And then when you're there, you're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so I guess the, the, what I do for fun, I mean, I don't want to make it sound too miserable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, the, but the whole thing is finding balance. you know, trying of to course. get, cause you, you it, whether you like it or not, this is a sort of 18 hours a day thing. Yeah. And that's not all about just work. It's about, people like me having a kind of obsessive personality because if you want to score films might make you uh not the best person around socially but it's definitely what you need to be able to do a job like mine you know you have to be able to sit there and obsess over a piece of music and and what's it doing to picture and all that kind of crap so so that um i mean i i have um the fun for me is a lot of the fun is in the in the job i, l- I love doing this course, you know yeah. and um a lot of the fun for me is is collaborating with people so the the collaboration with the directors and the producers i like but my favorite uh, my favorite moment of the whole bit is standing in front of the orchestra at the end and and making the music because i i guess that's where i came from was you know was making records right It was that moment of making music, that's why I got into it, you know. The sitting in the cave bit, I could sort of do without, to be honest, but, you know, (laughs) music doesn't happen without that. Right.
1: Well, Phil, thank you so much for your time. No, thank you, man. It's been been so enlightening and and, uh, such a great chat. Cool, cheers, man.